Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today we're going to be continuing in our hope series, hope. We're going to be talking about hope today, and we are in uh, this wonderful series. How do we find hope as we face the challenges, and specifically as we face loss in our lives? If you're with us last week, you heard me talk about how fear is often the biggest thing that, that attacks our hope and tries to take away our hope. And I think that's why Jesus, he spent a lot of time as he talked to his disciples talking about the storms of life. I think sometimes when we give our life to Christ or we have this perception that when we give our life to Jesus, that now Jesus is my bodyguard and he's my Uber driver. So that when I pray and ask for food, the food shows up or I pray and ask for whatever, that Jesus is just there like some Uber driver that's not being paid enough, you know, and we expect him to show up for everything. That's not what life is about. When we give our life to Christ, he fills us, he strengthens us. But we also know that in this life, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, believer or non-believer, Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike. We're, we are living in a world that storms happen. You know, I, I planned on going kayaking yesterday, and I saw the surf, and I was like, I'm not that level yet. So I opted not to put my kayak in. There are also a lot of people around. I didn't want to end up on YouTube somewhere. So uh, I opted not to because storms happen. It's a part of, of our life. And I, and I think that's why Jesus, he spent a lot of time talking to his disciples because they had this false perception, right? And false perception and that gap between false perceptions and reality is often where we find ourselves frustrated, and that's where hope is often attacked. But we know that in the middle of all this, that Jesus, he wants to prepare us, whether it's a, whatever the storms that we, that we face. That's why in 1 first, in first Peter 4 it says, Dear friends, Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. He says, instead, be very glad. For these trials, they make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Jesus Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious spirit of God rests on you. Now, those words sound great, but how many of you, when you go through trials, you're like, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Bring it more. I'm sharing. Thank you for sharing this wonderfully difficult time that I'm going through. That's often not my heart. I wish it were. So today we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to unpack this and go, how do we deal with the hurt? How do we deal with all this stuff? Because if we don't deal with it correctly, we're going to find that our hope can be compromised. So let's look at this together. And Lord, before we do this, Lord, my prayer is that you would let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. God, let this be your word that goes out. Speak through me and speak to me. Speak to us. Lord, we're in a world that's going through a lot of turmoil. It always has. But God, this is our season to go through. We want to go through it honoring you, stewarding it well, being lights that reflect who you are. So speak to us today. Lord, help us. Whatever we're going through, God, I pray that this would be a time of healing and restoration and strengthening for all my friends, everybody in this room today. Speak to us and strengthen us in your name. And everyone said together, 
Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. So in these three short verses, there's, there's three things I want to pull out today as, as we look at this. And because this, these were verses that were written to people who were tempted to leave the hope of Christ and to go back to their old ideas. And it outlines for us what I believe are three key steps in dealing with loss and failure. And these steps are, first of all, recover, refocus, and respond. So we're going to talk about how we recover when we hit loss, And then we're going to talk about how the Lord refocuses us. And then he's going to teach us the importance of responding to this. Responding to this. Are you ready? Let's talk about about recovery first because that's where we are when we get hurt. See, when we go through these difficult times, we need to recover. And that means that we deal with everything that happened. And this first verse just says that part of it, I pray this during our prayer time, that we would strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily entangles us. See, when you've come through a difficult storm, when you've come through a tough season, there needs to be a recovery time. I mean, Jesus did this. I mean, when you look at what Jesus did, again, there was this expectation that he would just just be next to him. Every meal he would have with his disciples, every moment he would have with them. But when Jesus had these seasons when he was pouring out or he was healing people or whatever, there were times when he would tell the disciples, he like, guys, I want you to go that way, and I'm going to go this way, but you keep going that way. And there were times when they look around and say, where's Jesus? Jesus, fully God, fully man, he would pull aside at times just to have, have times of, of just prayer and just those times of refreshment. And, and the prophets did this as well. And one of my favorite accounts is the prophet Elijah. I, I love the prophet Elijah. See, when we look through this, we see that Elijah, after going through what I think is one of the greatest throwdowns in history, and I encourage you to read about it in the book of First Kings, and I did a message on it several years ago. But in this, there's this big throwdown in the Old Testament that it ends with God falling from the sky with fire, consuming the offering, consuming the wood, consuming the stones. And then even after all the prophets of Baal, they were seized and destroyed. Elijah thought to himself, this solved it, this took care of it. I had all these problems before, but surely after seeing this great manifestation of God, surely after all this would happen, this must soften the king's heart who is out for me. But instead of softening the heart of the kingdom, it actually caused them to turn all the more towards them. Have you ever found that? Where I obeyed God, God showed up, this great thing happened, surely this will solve it, but instead... There can be those that all the more are more committed to being against you in the work of God. So instead of being celebrated, instead of being saying, great leadership, Elijah, he finds himself on the run for his life again. See, instead of celebrating a great victory, he was confused, and we even see one of the greatest prophets who've, who experienced all this power of God. He finds himself depressed. We see this in 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, verse 4 
It says that Elijah, he says, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and he sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die. And here's what he said. He said, he said it is enough now. O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Do you hear the exhaustion? And when you read through it, when you read through the story, it's easy to understand how he may have gotten to a place where it seems like there's no hope, and he's on the edge, and he'd given up. He's like, God, I did everything. I'm done. Just, just take me. Take me, Lord. But look at God's response. See, God's response in this moment when we cry like that little baby. And by the way, if you have a baby, the cries don't bother me. Silence caused me to question. But uh, I'm glad for just this renewal of babies, aren't you? You know, just what the Lord is doing. That's not in my sermon notes. Every time I hear it, I'm like, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Here's God's response to our cries. <laughs> God's response is, Elijah, you're not done. <laughs> Amen. You're not done. You just need some recovery time. That's what he said in, 19, in 1 Kings 19.5. He said, then he laid down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told Elijah, get up and eat. Even had an explanation point there. He said, he looked around and there beside his, his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Remember, he's in a wilderness. So he ate and he drank and he laid down and he rested again. God gives him some more rest, and then he fed him. See, there was a lot taking place in the heart and the mind of Elijah. But I think a lot of times what we need to recognize is that when we go through these great times of difficulty, a lot of times we need a good night's sleep and we need some good food baked by angels or whoever's around you. Right? We're in a foodie culture. And because when we go through these things, I think we, all, we, we recognize that we need that physical restoration, but sometimes we just... We don't allow space for it to happen. See, mental and emotional exhaustion, it, it, it affects our bodies, and we see this in Scripture. So in order to restore, we need this. And see, this is, a, and this is often a season because people, they, they can tell. You, you know, the Holy Spirit gives us discernment, but a lot of times you don't need discernment if someone's walking your way and you go, they're going through a difficult time right now. And we'll often hear the question when we're going through this time, when we're exhausted and we can't keep that mask on anymore, someone say, how are you doing? And it's very easy for us in that moment just to say, oh, I'm doing fine, I'm doing fine, I just didn't sleep well last night. But let me give you another hint, something that will give you good language in the middle of your exhaustion, in the middle of this moment, depression, whatever's going on. An answer that has worked well for me, because I've often struggled with, how do I answer? Someone says, how are you, how are you doing? There's times that I've begun to look at people and I say, you know what? I'm in a season of recovery right now. I'm in a season of recovery because this recover word, it's a great word. That First of all, it admits that you're hurting. You're not giving blame. You're just saying, right now I'm hurting. But it also brings hope because it says, I'm looking for healing, but right now I'm not there. How many? I've experienced that, right? I need recovery, and I know it's there, but I'm in that process. And so when we're talking with each other, sometimes we just need good language, and it's good just to say, you know what, I appreciate you asking that right now I'm in a season where I'm trying to recover. Because it brings an understanding to yourself, it brings an understanding to the others. 
And most realize that when someone is in recovery, that there's times that they need rest, and they'll bring you, I love soup when I'm in recovery, you know, or whatever it is. It's a time, and it's also a time, if someone says that to you, they say, I'm in a time of recovery, bring them soup, bring them all those things, but do you know what one of the greatest gifts you can give somebody? Grace. Grace. When we are hurt, when we're healing, sometimes we don't always respond in the best way. Sometimes I don't respond in the best way. I'm tired. That can translate into no response. So instead of saying, man, Dwayne, he's, you know, he's, he's grumpy today. He was kind of standoffish today. He didn't return my text right away today. He didn't do this today. As a body of Christ, we need to walk with each other, giving the benefit of the doubt, and say, you know what, maybe they're going through a tough time. Maybe they're going through some recovery. I'm going to give them extra grace, and I'm going to drop off some soup or some fresh roasted coffee beans, whatever. Whatever the Lord leads you in. Whatever it is to that person. Or I'm going to just send them an encouraging text. Or whatever that is. Give people extra grace. See, the enemy works in the negative. The Lord moves us to that action wherever we are. So when we're walking through, we need to give that to people. But there's also another tip that I would give that if you're in this recovery time or you're walking with someone in recovery time, Oftentimes you've been hurt, you've been wounded, and oftentimes those wounds are not seen by anybody else. I'll give you the advice. This was the advice that was given by an experienced pastor to a young pastor fresh out of Bible college. And here's what this person said to them. When they asked for advice in ministry, the elderly pastor looked to the first-year pastor and said, keep your wounds clean. Keep your wounds clean. What does this mean? Well, it recognizes that you're going to be cut you're going to be injured. You're going to be hurt. If I had you all raise your hands, if, who has been hurt in this life? We all have. But it's important that we keep these things clean. I mean, after all, when you go to a, to a doctor, a doctor does not look at something that was scuffed up. And for me, this happened to me a lot. My knees, I actually had stitches in these knees seven times. This one was four times. This one was three times in the same spot because I kept jumping off the same high rock and kept landing on my knees, so... That's a little bit of insight to my mom's life. Um, and every time I would look down, I'd see it. The needle would go in, the pain, whatever, right? We, 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 we do stuff. Seven times didn't stop me jumping off rocks. But the first thing, every time the doctor came in, he said, all right, you know what we're going to do? Before I stitch it up, I've got to clean it. A lot of times when we go through these hurts, we don't take the time to clean the wounds. We, 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 we want it to be sewn up. We want it to be dealt with. We want it to be all just done whatever with. But the Lord's saying, before we do that, we've got to clean this. Because, see, you're going to keep getting hurt, but keeping hope alive means that you've got to clean that out first. You've got to take care of it. Because if it's not cleaned out, we know infection comes in. We know that as it relates to these things, bitterness can come in, unresolved issues can come in, and it's never going to heal until you clean it out. I mean, David talked about in Psalm 24, he said, Who may climb to the mountain of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and their hearts are pure, who do not worship idols, who never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. See, when we keep our wounds clean, God's not going to say, What are you doing with a wound? God's going to say, Why aren't you letting me clean it? Why aren't you doing what you need to do to clean this wound out? I mean, this is so important that Jesus, he even brought up the importance of, of, of cleaning out these wounds right in the middle of worship. In Matthew 5, 23, he said, look, if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple 
and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Jesus said, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice. See, Jesus is saying that wherever you are, whatever you're going through, make sure that you take care of those things. And some is a process. But the big idea here is take time in your life to recover. Take that daily habit. Part of my recovery just from stuff is every morning I get up, I've told you before, it's me, Jesus, and my dog before anyone gets up. And a little bit of Bill Evans, that's a jazz piano player. And the Lord, he speaks to me. He soothes my soul. He, he speaks healing in that moment. Whatever it is, take time every day just to recover. See, we need to take a moment to be positive for the Lord and just to be still and to know that he is God. You are God. I am not. You're in control. I'm not. I trust you, Lord. Show me what you would speak to me in this moment. Show me what you would teach to me. People may mean to harm me, but you're out for my good. I may have made a decision <laughs> to harm myself, but you're still out for my good. Amen? So take time to recover. But as we're going through this, there's that initial, right, the needle goes in and the doctor scrubs it out or your mom or whoever, your dad scrubs it out. But we also need to be sure that we are refocusing. In other words, we need to assess where we are recovering, but we're also refocusing. And the writer of Hebrews, again, verse 2 in, they say, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, having a Carmen moment, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Carmen was an old 80s Christian singer. Amen. See, Jesus, he doesn't just rescue us. Jesus, he restores us. And this, this is refocusing. It's also part of the recovery because sometimes when we're hurt, when we're dealing with loss, when all of this takes place, we can lose focus of a couple of things, and a lot of times we lose focus of ourselves. Have you ever done something and you're like, there's no way God can use me? Or you know what, maybe I'm not qualified for this. Or maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. Maybe I missed this. I, I can't do this. I've messed up too many times. I've just on and on and on. Have you ever spoken that to yourself or heard that to yourself? Right? You go through and you go, I've done it too many times. Sometimes we lose focus of others. You've been hurt by others. Like Elijah. Done every, I feel like I've done everything right, God, you know. And we can go, I'm done with people, right? It's like a losing sports team. Seattleites don't do that. But we can say, I'm done with people. No one cares. No one responds. No one, nothing's changing. And we can feel like Elijah. And Elijah, he even voices to God in 1 Kings 19.14. He said, God, I'm the only one left. No one loves the Lord except me. And see, both of these, they can cause us to lose sight of the work of the Lord in our lives. We lose focus of ourselves, and we, and we bury ourselves in, 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 in all this doubt and pity, and we lose focus of others, and, we, and we, we bury them with all this stuff that they may not even know about that we're even thinking. And all of these, they cause us to lose sight of the work that God would do in our lives in the midst of this. That's why we need to refocus. That's why we need to take a lesson from physical therapists, because if you've ever gone through a hurt, whether you've broken a bone or had hip replacement surgery, you know that there's the initial surgery, but then there are these people that are going to cause a lot of pain in your life. They're called physical therapists. And 
you know, I've walked through this, and I was, I was surprised when my, you know, mid-80s, in, 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 in my mom's mid, eight, mid to late 80s, she had a hip replacement surgery, right, where they open you up, and they take your hip out, and they put a whole new one in. Amazing stuff. Crazy. I know some of you are having flashbacks right now. And you're, you know, it, it's crazy that they do that. But what's even, what was crazier to me is that they went to this, you know, late 80s, sweet little woman, and said, Essie, it's time to get up now. <laughs> She's in pain. She's going through so much. And this was in the early days of her dementia as well. And I'm like, why would they do that? And here's why. Because what they said is that if she doesn't get up, she'll never get up. Because, yes, there's a recovery time when you have to rest it. But I'm telling you, it seemed like just a couple days after, they went after this 88-year-old woman, whatever, and they start, started to kind of get her up. And at first, my dad was like, why are you doing this? And my sisters had to come in and say, look, Dad, if she doesn't, get up now. She's never going to get up. That's never going to come back. Why? Because when we're broken, when we're recovered, we need to be reminded of what that broken thing is supposed to do. So whatever your gift is, wherever it is, if you don't start moving in that as you're going through recovery, you're going to forget why you should do that. I mean, the first thing that came to my mind is relationships. When you've been hurt in a relationship... What's one of the first things that comes up in your own heart? I'm never going to love again. I'm never going to do that again. People get hurt at church. I'm never going to go to church again. They get hurt from God. I'm never going to. Because the hurts, if they're not cleaned out, if they're not dealt with, they start to fester inside of us. And if we don't start going through that process of where it's difficult, and some of you have talked to me, some of you have come here and you're like, you know what, Pastor Wayne, I've been hurt by church before, and I'm, and I'm like, boy, I'm so sorry that happened. And if, if it was me, I'm so sorry. But we've got to walk this out because this is part of your connection to the body of Christ, which strengthens us in our walk with God. We need this together. We need to walk in this together. I'm so thankful that the times I hurt Stephanie, she didn't give up. But are there triggers? Yes. We're going to be talking about hope, hope in relationship. Steph's going to tell you some awesome stuff. Because we've had to walk through some things. And we had to commit to, yes, recover, healing, but then we've got to start walking in those things or we're going to forget and we're never going to want to move again. And the person who gets hurt the most is yourself. Whatever it is, whatever that gift is, wherever that hurt is. Wisdom, yes. Walking with the Lord, yes. But we've got to get moving. Lay down, get some rest, eat your angel food bread. But at a certain time, you've got to get up. Because if you don't, you never will. And you will miss out on what the Lord has for you. See, we need to be reminded of our purpose. That's why when you go to, go to a doctor, right, you've got to come to the point now, I've got to go every year. How's, you know, Dr. Owen, how's my, doc, how's, how's my eyes doing? What's happening here? Because I don't want to lose my vision. It needs to be refocused because if the focus is not restored, we can lose our purpose. And this was Elijah's problem. That's why when the Lord, when God went to Elijah, right, Elijah, he's like, Lord, take me now. I failed. The king's heart didn't turn back to God. And no one else is serving you except me. God asked Elijah what I think is one of the most important questions to ask. And he asked Elijah, he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? See, part of refocusing is answering this question, 
what am I doing here? Am, am I giving up here? You know, am I, am I just sulking here and poor Dwayne here? Am I, you know, am I feeling sorry for myself or am I, am I running away from here? See, part of the refocus is going, where am I? And look at how Elijah answered. This is how Elijah answered. Elijah answered God by saying, God, I'm mad here. What am I doing here? I'm, I, I'm mad here. Have you ever been mad before? See, Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, they've thrown down your altars, they've killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, am only the one left. And they seek my life to take it away. I'm mad. Can you hear the anger of that? Served you faithfully, and now I'm alone with nothing to show for it. I stood up, I went up there, gave you credit. Everything happened. And God, I'm left with nothing. See, God could have responded in a lot of ways. And I love the Old Testament because the Old Testament tells everything. Could have responded in a lot of ways, and there's different ways he spoke to Elijah. And this is a long story that we don't have time to go into today. But I want to get right to how God spoke to him because he could have spoke to him in the wind. He could have spoke to him in an earthquake. He could have just cracked the thing open. and he's, God's done that before. But the Bible says that the voice of the Lord was in a whisper. God spoke to Elijah in a low whisper. Now, why would God just speak in a low whisper? Here's why. It's often the whispers that control our lives. What do you experience when you go home at night and you lay down, everything's turned off, turn off your phone, you turn off whatever needs to be turned off, and you're laying in bed. It's those internal whispers, isn't it? See, I can turn off a shout. If you start shouting at me, I can, I can turn that off. I've, I've had four kids. I can turn off. <laughs> you're losing your voice. And, I, and, and not only that, when people start shouting at you, do you stop listening? Right? <laughs> like... You're out of control. But when that whisper comes in, what God is telling us, God needs to own the whispers in our life. God needs to own that voice. All the voices of everything else, the things that dominate our life, that call into action, He needs to own those whispers. That's why we need to distinguish, because there's two voices. There's God, and then there's the enemy. And when we say, God, if this is not your voice, I don't need it. If you're not providing it, I don't need it. I want your voice. I want your provision. I want your plan because you're the only one out for my good. All the other voices are not out for you. See, what the Lord was doing here, what God was doing is that he was restoring Elijah's purpose. And he was, he was speaking to him, and he gives Elijah a mission. He's like, Elijah, you're not the only one, first of all. There's over 7,000 like you in Israel, so you're not the only one. And just like Jesus later did with Peter, and you're not done. He tells him to go back. I want you to anoint a new king. Now, you've had your angel food. You've had your rest. You've had your water. You've got to get up and start moving. The call is still in play. My power is still in play in your life. Let's go anoint the new king. Let's move on. Let's get past this. You're angry. You're depressed. You want me to take your life? All right. Let's get going. Let's get moving. 
Let's get moving. See, when we're out of focus, we, we can fall in the enemy's trap right there. But he's saying, no, 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 no. Let's keep going, amen? So the word of the Lord to you today is if, if you're there, re- recover. Get your focus back on the Lord. And then get moving. Whatever it is the Lord's called you to do, let's get moving. Let's get walking. So after we, re- we recover, we get our sights focused, we get everything back, this leads right into the importance of the response. This is what he did with Elijah. Elijah, it's time to get up. It's time to get going. And I love what it says here in Hebrews 12. I love this. Hebrews 12, verse 12, it says, So what? Take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Isn't that great? Get a new grip. Your hands are tired, but we're going to get a new grip and strengthen your weak knees. And then the writer says, Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. I mean, remember, faith is the evidence of hope. Faith is the evidence of hope, but our feet, the action, is the evidence of our faith. All these things are connected. See, James 2 is clear that belief alone is not faith. And from time to time I'll hear this, well, yeah, I believe in God and I see it's there. Well, where's the evidence of it? Because James 2 was clear that faith by itself isn't enough. And sometimes we'll read that and go, What? How could that be true? James goes on to point out that unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and it is useless. Because we know, it goes on later to say that even the demons, they, they believe and they tremble in fear. But it's our action that demonstrates our faith. That's why every message will come down to, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do now? See, we need to walk towards the future that God He's leading us into. Because see, God will call you, he will gift you, and he'll give you every opportunity around you as you trust in him. But there's one thing that God will not do for you, and he will not decide for you. That choice is yours. He'll give you everything that you need according to his riches and glory. He'll strengthen you, he'll coach you, he'll provide you, and he'll use all these difficulties in life to get you ready. But he will not decide for you. He will not make you do it. That's my responsibility. That's your responsibility. That's why the writer says, take a new grip. Strengthen your knees. Mark the path in front of you. God will help us recover. He'll help us refocus, but we need to respond. And the first response is just reaching out. Yes, I'm taking a grip. What happens? When you take a grip, you are committing to it. Just like a skier, water skiing, that just grabs that pole, that grabs that handle on the back. They're committing to it. First time's funny, but they're committing to that grip, right? Same calling, but here's the thing. It's a new grip because when you've walked through this, when you've experienced difficulty and you're like, God, I'm recovering and, and now I've got refocus and whatever, you're not the same person you once were. You're stronger now. You've learned some things now. You've walked through some things now because storms, they teach us and they strengthen us and they deepen. Your roots are now deeper than they used to be before. So the same calling is in place. The Lord's moving in your life, but now your grip is better, it is stronger, and it is wiser. That's why the writer says, take a new grip. But then the writer, as the worship team comes this morning, also says, and mark a straight path. Get a new grip. Strengthen the knees. But the writer is saying that the Lord, he's going to mark a straight path in front of you. See, we don't walk aimlessly. 
And again, when we look through the Bible, one of the things I love is that I see men and women of faith where the Lord just leads them and guides them. And yes, you may be like Abraham where you're walking to a land that you don't know, or you may be like Moses where, you're, you're, where the Lord has led you to this, to this ocean and you're going, what do I do with the sea here in front of me? And my enemies, they seem to have me cornered. But when we trust it, that's when the miracle takes place. See, God, he's not calling us to wander. God is calling us to trust him and to follow him. And not only that, he's saying, I'm going to point out a straighter path that's a little clearer now because now your vision's a little more focused. Now you can see things a little more. Now when, when hurts and these things come in, I found this in, in my life. Things that I've gone through that I've had to walk in recovery with the Lord, there are some things where my recovery time is quicker. My recovery time is often quicker. See, when I was starting off new in faith, and I would sin, which is out of alignment with the Lord, disobeying the Lord, walking out, the point between my sin and my confession for forgiveness was like this. I'm not telling anybody. But over time, I realized that as I shortened that distance, the forgiveness is there. And when the forgiveness is there, the healing is there. So when these things happen now, now find somebody you trust. Don't confess on Twitter. Don't, you know. Find someone you trust, someone who's out for your good, someone who's that confidant in your life to pray with you, that they're looking to you because that's one of the markers of spiritual maturity is the distance between sin and confession. That's what we teach our kids. Because now we can walk it out. It's that straight path. We know where we're going. Because our hope is strengthened as we do this. As we walk with the Lord, our hope is strengthened. But we need to walk it out. We need to take a new grip. We need to recover. And then be refocused. But then we need to respond. All of these things. And so here's my question for you today. And I'm quoting God. <laughs> All right? What are you doing here today? What are you doing here today? Are you in recovery? Do you need some recovery in your life? Do you need some refocusing in your life? Do you need strength and encouragement to respond in your life? What are you doing here? God knows what you're doing here. But spiritual maturity narrows the gap between the sin, my hurt, whatever you want to call it, and confessing to God, God, I need you. The closer it is, it's right there. That's spiritual maturity. Father, we thank you because you don't leave us as orphans. You don't leave us alone that you're with us, but we also have the body of Christ, every part. Because, Lord, when one part of us is cut, <laughs> the other part of us comes in to heal, to clean. And we thank you for that. So, Lord, enter in the response time. Holy Spirit, have your way. Speak to us, I pray. Speak to us, I pray. Here are, here are the, the questions. I think, first of all, just saying, just acknowledging, where am I today? Am I in a storm? Am I surprised by the storm? 
You know, am am I tired of the storm? Or are you coming out of the storm and you need some recovery time? Invite the Lord, what does that look like? It's easy to say we need recovery, right? We, we need recovery, we need recovery, but what does that look like? Do what the Lord will speak to you, the Lord will show you. He'll bring opportunities your way for that. He'll bring people your way for that. And then here's the next set of questions. We can go ahead and bring up this next set. Please. Are we here? You know, do I need to refocus? Where do I where do I need need to refocus today? Is it is your view of God off? Is your view of yourself off? Is your view of others off? And here's my confession to you: at times in my life, all three of those have been off at the same time. All right. And how do I need to respond? Where is God asking me to take that new grip? Where is that straight path? Pray, respond. And invite the Lord. And as he does that, write it down. Write it down so that you won't forget what the Lord would do in this moment. So Lord, this is your holy moment. Do your work in us. The work of recovery. The work of refocusing. As we respond obedient to you. Amen. They that wait upon the Lord shall what? They shall renew their strength. You know, all these things. The, the recovery. The refocusing. And even the responding, there's weight involved in all of this because as we wait, the Lord reminds us where our strength comes from. The Lord reminds us in the middle of this. And we are terrible at waiting. I mean, Wi-Fi goes down for five seconds and we're like, dear God, how am I going to get out of this? Right? <laughs> I can't work anymore. The Lord is teaching us. The Lord is walking with us. Let me encourage you. I'm... Take some time to respond. Or maybe you need to get with somebody today. Say, hey, can we go out? Can we just kind of love, love to kind of talk about what the Lord is doing in our lives today? Be sure that you, uh, you do that. Say, Lord, let us feed the children in our neighborhood. Isn't that a wonderful thing to do? Amen. To bless that. So thank you for being with us today. Don't forget annual celebration. And again, respond to what the Lord is doing. Talk about it. Find somebody. Find someone that you can, you can connect with and engage with. So, Lord, we thank you for your power, your presence, your forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for your, your patience with us, with, with me. Lord, as we wait, we know you strengthen us. So walk with us today. Help us, God, to take that new grip. And Lord, help us to see that path that you're leading us in. And God, help us to go to those around us. Holy Spirit, show us people to go to, and we can walk with them. We can walk with them as they walk with you in your name. Everyone said together. Amen. This is our benediction. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. I love you all so very much. Bye.